This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to the preview podcast to look ahead to Liverpool's trip to Burnley on Wednesday night. Now, I think most of us would swap routine wins for the dramatic way the Reds settled the Merseyside derby any day of the week. But if we're being greedy, the one thing missing from Liverpool's unbeaten start to the Premier League season is a thumping victory. It was, of course, the 4-0 win over West Ham on the opening weekend, but the Reds haven't really taken anyone to the cleaners since then. But could that change at Turf Moor on Wednesday night? The main guest of this podcast fears that could be the case. Chris Bowden is the sports editor of the Burnley Express newspaper and he has been covering the Clarets for a number of years. He watched on as Burnley defied the odds to qualify for the Europa League last season by finishing 7th in the Premier League. But for the first time in Sean Dyche's reign, the wheels have come off and they take on a buzzing Liverpool side on the back of 7 league games without a win. Chris explains what's gone wrong at the Clarets before you hear from our Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce. James was down at Melwood on Tuesday for Jurgen Klopp's press conference and he brings you all the highlights, including the latest team news. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi Chris, thanks for joining me on this podcast to, to give us a bit of an insight into Burnley ahead of their match with Liverpool on Wednesday night. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Probably maybe a bit better than you at the moment, I suppose, because it's not, <laughs> life's not going too well for Burnley, is it? It's, uh, it's, it's real shock to me. Really shocked to me. I've worked on that patch in Lancashire. And I know the job Sean Dyche has done, but uh, let, let, let's look at the stats. I think in the, the last seven games, there's no wins. There's five losses and two defeats. Uh, are the Clarets playing as badly as that run suggests? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly uh, sort of last... Uh, you know, the last couple of games or so, but it's, it just seems like the season's never really, never really started. You know, I mean, so Liverpool will be familiar with the the demands of, you know, UEFA Cup, Europa League, whatever you want to call it, Champions League football over the years. And, uh, you know, it's it'll be second nature to clubs clubs like that. But to uh, to Burnley, it had to wait 50, 51 years to get back. It was, uh, you know, a, a real shock to the system, I think. And, uh Cuts into your pre-season. They're to play the three qualifying rounds, uh, six ties in all, and uh, I've probably got as tough as tough a draw as they could have got in each round, to be honest. But uh, yeah, when they were sort of combining that, the trips to Istanbul and uh, and Athens to play Olympiakos, and on the following Sundays they were away at uh, Southampton and away at Fulham in the Premier League. So uh, the fixtures didn't really help, but. Uh, yeah, it took them. You know, they went five games start of the season, took a point, then took seven out of nine. Uh, you know, and, and, and since then, you know, they, they haven't won in seven games, and they've lost uh, lost five out of the last six, and uh, just look a pale shadow of uh, you know a, a Sean Dyche team that we've uh, we've come to expect. Yeah, I was at home watching the Palace highlights at the weekend, and I was, just, I was as I said to you before we started recording, I was staggered by the amount of chances Burnley conceded. What what's happened to that defensive solidity? That was it was almost so synonymous with Dyche's Burnley side. Yeah, I mean they're, they're giving that sort of uh, number of uh, opportunities away each game. To be honest, regardless of the opposition, I think Tingle, anyone who was at Anfield uh, was it last September now, sort yeah. of uh, about fifteen months or so ago. Liverpool had a lot of attempts, but not many absolutely, you know, cast iron golden chances. I mean, that was the sort of uh, the Burnley way that, you know, they'll bank him, you know, two banks of four and uh, they'll restrict, you, you know, your, 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 uh, your good uh, shooting angles, your golden chances. They'll let you, you know, like I remember Coutinho sort of taking pot shots from 30 yards and you think, well, go on. If you bend one in from there, then 
we take our hat off to you. You know, you've done well, but uh, yeah, the, the, you know, Pope probably made you know one save that you know you'd argue was an, an excellent save, and over the piece, it was just sort of routine stuff overall. And uh, you know, Burnley hung on and, and got the point, but. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, they've been allowing more chances and they've been allowing better chances this season. It's uh, non regardless of, of, of the personnel that they've used. I mean, it doesn't deviate uh, the manager from a, a back four. We've never seen him play three. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the sort of uh, the framework, the famed Sean Dyche framework, is, is you know, it's pretty much non-existent at the moment. Has the change of goalkeeper affected things at all? Obviously, Burnley had two England goalkeepers in great form over the last couple of seasons, Tom Eaton and then Nick Pope, but obviously they picked up injuries and now you've got a third in Joe Hart. Is, uh, how, how's he getting on? Well, I mean, on the face of it, I mean, Joe Hart, I mean, you know, I believe he's made set more saves than any other Premier League goalkeeper, which, you know, it's hardly surprising <laughs> yeah. the, the amount of uh, he's been peppered every game. But, uh, I mean, you, you, you can, uh, you know, he's, he's not made a lot of errors that have led to goals, Joe Hart. He's probably kept them in a lot of games. I think, I mean, it could have been could have been a cricket score at the weekend without Joe Hart. But uh, there's something's not quite right. The chemistry, you know, uh, so a lot of Burnley fans just, you know, seem to think it might be as simple as, you know, putting, putting the, uh, you know, the club captain back in, Tom Heaton. You know, Tom's not played uh, in a league game since September uh, 20, 2017 now. Obviously, Nick Pope came in. That was his first start at Anfield last season. Yeah. And a place in the England squad. And, uh, you know, generally just an absolute revelation. He's coming and claiming crosses, which, are, you know, suppose, you know took Tom and, and, and Joe Hart to a lesser extent. You know, not really their, uh, their forte. But, uh, you know, I, I would argue that Tom's probably the better all-round goalkeeper. But I, I think we've certainly missed Pope this season. And, uh you know, we, we we don't really know what level Tom's back up to yet, in all truth, because we haven't seen him play. So he's, you know, he's, he played a couple of games against Olympiacos in, uh, in the Europa League and uh, fought for one of the goals when they were they were knocked out in the uh, Carabao Cup at uh, Burton Albion, which you know was another uh, off off result. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, just a yeah, just one of those really. I think on, on ter- in terms of you know, just I'm just looking at his performances, I, I, don't, I don't think he could knock hard, but uh, something's quite clearly not right. Just a word on the manager. He's performed miracles to get the, the club up to the Premier League twice, certainly the first time around when no one expected it at all. And then obviously into Europe last season and he's rightly held in massive regard by Burnley fans. But you know what the modern day football is like? Even managers who've done unbelievable jobs come, come under a bit, a bit of pressure. Is Sean feeling it a bit or is he, you know, is he safe as houses? Well, I won't say he's, he's safe as houses, but I mean, he's got another three and a half years on his contract. You know, he signed, signed a, another extended deal sort of earlier in the year, in the calendar year, when he was, uh, you know, in seventh place in the league and, and Europa League was looking a uh, distinct possibility. But uh, he's, he's crazy. You know, the, the, high, the club's highest finish in 44 years, yeah. European football after 51 years, they name a pub after him. <laughs> In the town centre, <laughs> and within six months, you know the sort of pockets, the pockets of the fans are, are calling for his head. But ultimately, you know, in this day and age, it's about staying in the Premier League. I think uh, sort of alluded to, uh, you know, when they were relegated in 2015. I think, uh, I think everyone thought, you know, they're only going to be relegated before a ball's kicked. And I think it's, uh, you know, with the, I think they only spent 10 million in total in transfers and. Uh, they gave it a go and they, they, they fell short, but I think Sean was fireproof. This time around, you know, you you, you do wonder, to be honest, but uh, I, I, I struggle to see where the next win's coming from at the moment. 
That's bad news. And but I suppose what Sean writes, and I know he said it to you in the after the game against Palace in terms of what happened in the summer in the transfer market. And you know, he, up until recently, he's not had what you would say a great deal of money, certainly in Premier League terms to spend. Do you think that's catching up with Burnley a little bit at the moment because the the money that's been spent elsewhere is just so vast, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's everyone's got to be on the same page, really. You know, the man, the manager's like, <laughs> you know, it sounds, it sounds like uh, you know the old Harry Redknapp thing. You give me the money, I'll spend, I'll spend it. it. Yeah. You know, it's not sort of you know, I, I want to, you know, <laughs> I want to operate on a tight budget and uh, let my coaching do the talking. But uh, I think there's certain certain aspects. You know, the the, the managers primarily looked at uh, you know British. Irish and players who uh, you know have, have been established in this country, uh, or in you know in Stephen Defoe's case, he made fifty plus caps for uh, you know the best Belgian team in in history. So you know it's a bit of a no brainer that one. But uh, you know people like Johan Gudmundsson who had done one at Charlton. Uh, but uh, you know other than that, it's almost like Championship players. You know yeah. trying to trying to afford that sort of top end Championship player and saying go on. You know, can you can you prove a point at the higher level? But yeah, even even in the summer, I think you know if they paid a couple million quid more, you know they've probably got Jay Rodriguez. But I think the sort of you know the, the chairman, the board, was a business decision. Thought it, you know, at twenty nine, maybe eighteen million quid wasn't good value for money, and decided to look elsewhere. It's a, it's, it's, it's sort of a you know six or one half a dozen of the other really. I think the manager can be a bit stubborn in terms of his you know the what the players he wants, and the club obviously have a you know a tight grip on the purse strings. It's obviously things might change a little bit now. Obviously, Sean Dyche retains a lot of power, and rightly so. There, but there is a director of football coming in, isn't there? A bit of a change behind Technical the scenes. Director, Technical director, yeah. yeah. To give him his proper terms, you just <laughs> tell, tell us a little about this change. Yeah, I mean, this sort of process they've been looking at to sort of modernise the, the recruitment uh, section, if you will. Uh, they brought in Mike Rigg. You know, he's worked at. Uh, he was chief scout at Blackburn. He's been a technical director at the FA, Welsh FA. Worked at uh, Manchester City, where uh, I say I don't know how much input he had, but he's sort of sort of credited with uh, helping sign Yaya Toure, Aguero, David Silva. Not bad to have CV. Well, he said they didn't come out of left field as such, did they? Those three, but uh, yeah, like, <laughs> but he's worked, you know, at QPR and Fulham to. Uh, Lesser success, if if you are willing to believe uh, supporters of that club, but uh, of those clubs rather. But uh, yeah, it's just another. Um, he'll obviously come with some some knowledge and you know just uh, the workings. I think they can be a bit a bit more streetwise in the transfer market, and maybe he'll, he'll help deliver that. In terms of Wednesday night, then to the game itself, you know Liverpool, we know will be in confident move after the last gas win in the derby, the Merseyside derby at the weekend, but and they've won four of the last six Premier League. In- Premier League meetings between the sides uh, against Burnley but as you mentioned earlier last September even the one at Turf uh, around Christmas time wasn't it they were all tight games do you think it'll be the same again on Wednesday or do you think you may see a bit of a, a difference you know between the two teams yeah I mean I'd, I'd, I'd like to think you know Burnley could sort of uh, you know get back to making themselves hard to beat and that sort of you know famed strong jaw that, that people uh, people were, have become aware of but uh I have to say, I, I struggle to, to you know to, to find any evidence that, uh, that they'll sort of uh, revert to that. Really, I, I can only see, even if Liverpool you know make changes as you would expect, you know they could still bring in you know, the, the skipper was suspended, wasn't he yeah, yesterday? Henderson, so yeah. he, you know he could come in, Cater was a sub. You could bring him you know in, into the starting lineup. Milner didn't play. <laughs> you could play any of the front three. You could play Origi and uh, Sturridge and. Uh, 
and go from there and there'd still be a handful for Burnley. I, I can't see anything other than Liverpool win, to be honest. Try and do a little bit of positive for you. Is there anyone in the Burnley ranks who's really playing well at the moment who may give Liverpool some problems? <laughs> Again, you'd like, you, you really are, really are struggling. Uh, I mean, it was a strange one. I mean, Sam, Sam Volks uh, is the top scorer. He's like four goals in all comps. Played and, well uh, against Newcastle, didn't he? And he then did he was play drops, well. Yeah. He did play well. You know, he, he, full, of, full of running. He held the ball up well. He was you know, really willing. Scored a terrific goal. And uh, got left out of the weekend at Crystal Palace, which was a, you know, a bit of a head-scratcher for a few people. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, probably, you know, you uh, spoke about uh, Johan Berg Gudmundsen earlier. He's, he's Burnley's most productive player by far. And you go back to the start of uh, last season and add up his, you know, total goals and assists. And, uh, no, not right up there with the best in the Premier League, but not far off. You know, it's sort of, uh, I mean, he's well into double figures in, 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 you know, if you had everything all together. And, he, you know, it's sort of like five or six behind the likes of Sane, David Silva and, and De Bruyne, you know, albeit... Uh, De Bruyne has had a, a you know, good spell out injured, but uh, he starts up pretty well, I guess. Now, just a final one. You've seen Manchester City and Chelsea so far this season. Do you think Liverpool will be, will stay very much up alongside them in the battle for the Premier League this season? Well, it's bizarre, isn't it? I think everyone seems to think that they've not really clicked into gear yet, Liverpool. Are they something like 14 points better off or something? Yeah, like yeah. unbeaten. Not bad, is it's, it? <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. It's. Uh, I mean, I watched the game yesterday and, I, you know, obviously Salah's still uh, still to hit the highs. So hasn't he? Firmino looked a bit uh, bit off the boil, but I remember, again, you go back... Uh, no, not the game at Turf Moor last year, the year before, and there was ab- absolutely nothing in it. And... Uh, Mane goes and sp- just spanks one yeah. from the edge of the box sort of thing it's uh, yeah not an awful lot you can do in those those situations but uh, I think I, I mean Chelsea were superbly impressive against yeah. Burnley and City I mean City beat Burnley 5-0 but it wasn't really a 5-0 game in the scheme of things I think everyone will have seen the rather farcical second yes definitely yeah, he's out, out of play offside and, uh, yeah, a bit of a dive in the, uh, from Sane in the build-up. But, uh, yeah, nothing wrong with that otherwise. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure Liverpool... I, I mean, I, I say I, I remember I was a 15-year-old lad the last time they won the league and, uh, yeah, certainly high time they, uh, they got back to winning again. Chris, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Hopefully things pick up for Burnley soon enough. Yeah, I appreciate that. Cheers. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, we've just heard from Jurgen Klopp ahead of Liverpool's return to Premier League action at Burnley on Wednesday evening. Not surprisingly, uh, Klopp uh, asked about the, the news that had broken about an hour before the press conference that he'd accepted that FA misconduct charge related to his uh, wild celebrations after that Divock Origi dramatic late winner against Everton on Sunday. Klopp holding his hands up and saying that uh, that he felt you know it was the right thing to, to admit the charge, take the fine. He said absolutely no issues uh, paying that fine. He said I broke the rules. Um, he said it won't happen again. He said it had been 14 years since he'd, he'd last reacted to a, a late winning goal with a uh, with a, a crazy celebration like that. And he said, um, you know, hopefully it will be another 14 before it, it happens again. So uh, he did have until Thursday evening to respond. But um, you know, I think the fact he's he's responded so quickly and accepted it and taken the fine shows that you know he, he's he's got no issues with the fact that he the the, the rules are there. He broke them and. Um, you know he'll uh, he'll he's paid that that small financial penalty. So uh, draw a line under that one. And uh, not surprisingly, Klopp also quizzed about um, 
how you come back down to earth, I guess, after that, uh, you know, the absolute thrill of that dramatic finale to the derby. Klopp saying that, you know, he said, I think his quote was, we're not children, we don't, we don't celebrate something for five days. He, he feels as if the, the player's mind's already on Burnley. And he said that, you know, the, uh, the Clarets deserve Liverpool's full focus because he, he thinks that after a difficult start to the season, you know, Burnley really struggled, you know, went nowhere near the force they were last season under Sean Dyche. Um, Klopp said that he thinks a lot of that was to do with, I think, their season started on something like the 20th of July with the Europa League qualifiers. And, and Klopp thinks that played a big part in their, in their early season struggles. But he said, having analysed their recent matches, that he, that he thinks Burnley are slowly getting back up to the level they were at last season. Um, and he said, you know, we have to be ready because this, this will be a, a, a tough game. Uh, Selection-wise, um, Klopp confirming uh, what we had on the Echo site yesterday, that Sadio Mane is highly doubtful, uh, suffered a, a gash to his foot, which, is, which has been stitched. Um, Klopp said he's, he's walking around but only in flip-flops and uh, he joked that you know, he won't be able to play in flip-flops at Burnley on Wednesday night so I think it's, I think it's fair to assume we're un- unlikely to see Sadio Mane in action against Daesh's side and, and Andy Robertson is the other one that Liverpool are waiting on he's suffering from a, a dead leg so um, you know, you'd imagine the likes of uh, well, probably Daniel Sturridge would be on standby and someone like Alberto Moreno potentially filling in at left-back as well. Klopp was also asked about Roberto Firmino's form. I think it's only two goals in, in 14 matches for the Brazilian. It has been a concern, but Klopp, um, you know, if, if, he do, if he is concerned, he's certainly not prepared to, to show that publicly because uh, he said that you know, all players go through peaks and troughs and he said that although Roberto might not be playing his best football at the moment, that he's still such an important player to what Liverpool are trying to achieve. So I think there will be some changes to that lineup. I think... I think that game against Everton took so much out of the players. I think Klopp will freshen things up, but this is where your squad depth comes into it. And uh, Wednesday night is all about ensuring that Liverpool build on that derby triumph and keep their title challenge on track. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.